Hey, I'm Beth Herbrock, and you're listening to the Good Folk Podcast. This podcast will dive into the lives of some of the talented folks that make our Good Folk Supper Clubs truly magic. Good Folk Supper Club is a pop-up dining experience in the Garden State, where at the heart of it, we're all about good food with good folk for a good cause. Come join us. Special thanks to our producer, Ming Chen, of A Shared Universe Podcast Studio. Today's podcast is the first in a two-part series of live interviews and conversations I recently had at Ironbound Farms Food Baller Retreat. I begged our producer, Ming Chen, to join me on this fine food field trip because I knew it would be one for the books. I just knew I had a hunch. These guys don't mess around. The masterminds behind this insane evening were my friends Ben Walmer of Highlands Dinner Club and Mike Lee of Food and Tech Connect, The Future Market, and Alpha Food Labs in New York City. Hosted by Ironbound Hard Cider on their truly beautiful working farm up in Asbury, New Jersey, this event gathered together a wild group of what can only be described as food pirates, natural wine lovers, cider sippers, and hospitality gurus from all over New York and New Jersey for one mind-blowing all-night event around what they have termed the mother fire a staggering 30-foot steel structure welded on site that houses one main fire pit that feeds into four, five adjoining fire pits. It's insane. And the smoke was no joke, y'all. My coat and gloves will never smell the same. Baptism by fire. This event was truly one for the senses, and we are excited to share some of the energy and education we captured that night. So buckle up for the Food Ballers Retreat with Good Folk Podcast Part 1. Be sure to check out our show notes at Good Folk Supper Club for links to all the badass food ballers. We're going to find you first. Hey, what's up? We're going to stop this man. How you doing? Uh, that's for you. Yay. Oh, okay. All right, it's official. You ready? It's official. I'm in. We're on. We're on. We're live and in effect. We are here this evening at Ironbound. We've got Mr. Mike Lee. Hello. Can you tell us a little bit about what in the hell is happening here tonight, Mike? Tonight and tomorrow is the Ironbound Food Ballers Retreat. And it answers the question, what happens when you have an amazing setting and you set just the right little sandbox out for amazing people to do magic? And that's what's literally happening right now. Around me is literally a whole pig that we just decided to do. There's a walk station behind me. There's like 12 birds. Uh, that, that's my walk. I'm making French onion soup in that. Dude, that's the size of uh, like a baby's bathtub. Yeah. This is tremendous. We have two of them. That's half of our walk game. Yes. Uh, clam bellies broken, broken down, just desserts, and just like everyone's stepping up and bringing their A game, and it's so inspiring. I love it. And what was the idea behind this? You know, we've had so many good times around just like open fires and uh, food. And we were like, you know, we know a lot of cool people that would just love this whole mother fire thing here at Ironbound. So why don't we just invite them all and just sleep over? And that was really it. Friends, food, fire. That's right. Amen. I love it. Thanks. Thank thanks, you. Thanks. All right. We're just going to keep recording tonight. We're going to see what we get. We'll splice and dice it until we come up with something that sounds professional, like we know what we're doing. Love it. And make sure I don't fall in the fire pit. Right, Ming? That's your job. <laughs> you sign that waiver. Sign that waiver. Sign that waiver. <laughs> sign the forms. Sign in blood. You Thank sign you. Waiver. I sign the waiver. Yeah. Let's introduce this guy here. Can you please introduce yourself, sir? Hello, my name is Charles Temke. 
can you tell everybody what in the world you're doing right now in front of... What am I doing? I am pulling a membrane off the labia of a surf clam that is very kind of stringy, um, but the lips themselves are very tasty and crunchy, kind of like um, squid or uh, gooey duck clams. It's very sexual seafood on a Sunday yeah, a night. A little bit. I like this. <laughs> and where in the world did you uh, pull these lovely ladies out of the water? Uh, just south of Ocean Beach on Long Island. Right on. And yeah. uh, can you share a bit about who and where you are working, your fun day job? Um, I have lots of fun day jobs. <laughs> um, I work... When you're not in front of a fire pit, yeah, what are you doing? With, well, in the summertime is mostly when I'm in front of a fire pit because I have a clam bake and barbecue business out in the Hamptons that I do clam bakes on the beach for uh, clients. And we four-wheel drive truck out um, everything raw and essentially open up a restaurant for five hours for I a private party. I accept your invitation. Yeah. I'll be you're, there. You're in. I'm, I, I'm, I I'm, accept. I'm all, I'm all for it. So <laughs> that's when mostly when I'm around a lot of fire. So we have kind of the... Fire drill period from July 4th through Labor Day is the busy period out there, and then it, there's a there's a ramp up and a tail down afterwards. But um, that's the that's the busiest part. And then during the rest of the year, I work for a company called Decent Espresso and work with them in the United States to make punch way above their weight little espresso machines that can do things that no other machine in the world can do and we have a lot of good times with that and I also do still do a little bit of commercial fishing when I can get out that's kind of how I put myself through school and then I work as an opera singer in addition to that so when I'm traveling in the off season and I sing at uh, opera houses and symphonies around the world and do lots of fun stuff with that you're boring yeah I'm bored I try you need to some keep hobbies it, I kind of try to keep a little interesting but I wish you had you know, some more interest yeah. so um, what did you bring to the Ironbound Ballers and why I brought surf clams um, they're called Spisula solidissima is the Latin name they are a big sea clam they can kind of live in more protected waters or out in the open ocean they always live in the surf zone or in the, the intertidal zone ah, very um, cool. more seldom in the intertidal zone more often in the surf zone but they live in this really dynamic environment because of that they have a very big meaty foot that they can anchor themselves with they also have those uh, lips that we were talking about that are a uh, different texture that's what keeps the sand out they actually stay open in the bottom the shells stay apart the two bivalves the two valves rather stay apart and the, the lips seal out the sand and kind of um, they kind of wiggle and uh, keep a positive pressure to the outside and these are and all then, from Long Island is that yeah, right? all from Long Island and then uh, yeah the siphon and the lips are really tasty and then they have two big adductor muscles that open and close the, the shells and raw they're really sweet and a really nice texture cooked they kind of look like scallops but when they're cooked they go very tough so they're they're not um, yeah they're kind of like ligamentous when they're like that and how are you guys preparing them tonight what's the plan uh, I think there's going to be a variety of them I think there's going to be some ceviche some raw some sashimi yes, sir um, I'm going to uh, tenderize some of the tongues or the foot uh, proper the clam we call them the tongues to get kind of stick out of the shells. I'm going to pound them with a meat tenderizing hammer and uh, quick marinate them in miso, yuzu, and olive oil. 
and uh, and then really quick grill them in a very hot plancha. So it just gets a little bit of color, and uh, but the, the clam is just seared, but there's some raw on the inside, and you get the kind of best of both worlds that way. Yeah, super I, pretty fat. I approve. Yeah. I approve. <laughs> yeah, I hope you're going to dig it. Yeah, but the, I, I really, I get to work with them all the time, and I have for like 20 years, because so, the reason I chose this, I... I uh, used to uh, harvest these clams way back when I started my fishing business to pay my way through school. And I, I developed a niche business selling these clams into sushi restaurants in the city. And um, really nobody knew about them. And it, they were mostly just harvested for clam strips and clam chowder uh, by cages that weighed five tons. And they would get sent right up to uh, Campbell Soup or, you know, place like that. Um, I wish you could see how much my eyes are watering on the radio. <laughs> the smoke is intense. This is so burning. Um, yeah, but I, I harvested them, and that it helped me out of like my my circumstances on Long Island, and uh, into the food industry, and into my music career, and all those things. So that was the reason for choosing those uh, those clans to bring along. Seafood cool. saves lives. Yeah. Seafood sure saves lives. Well, we want to let you get back to uh, pulling all the lovely lips and, and labia out of the ocean. And uh, <laughs> thank you so much. Right on. And thank uh, you. we can't wait. You're next. <coughs> Hi. Are you ready? Or are you yes. like, yes? Absolutely. Oh, wait, wait. Get, get the wine pour first. He's been ready. Oh, no, it's, it's not oh! oh, that's wasted. That's wasted. No, I'm, uh, no I, this is not a clean glass. Oh. No? It's like full of someone else's whiskey. Oh, no. So you get a, should you get a clean beverage first? I mean, I, no, jump on in. Let's do this. Yeah, I'm ready. Uh, please introduce yourself, sir. My name is Peter Drozdy. I'm an experienced designer from Brooklyn, New York, and I am here because I love setting things on fire. Fire pits, open fire, flames, and frigid temperatures. People, animals, you know. Can you share with us what you brought this evening? So I brought, uh, recently I was in India, and I had the opportunity to teach a bunch of people about uh, certain concepts of design. But in the process, during one of the classes, one of my students handed me a candy and said, here, try this, moments before someone took the stage and everyone had to be quiet and well-behaved. And the dark secrets of flavor contained inside this particular candy led me on a roller coaster of an experience while I had to, you know, it was just, everything was written on my face because this is, this is a candy that, it says that it's flavored like raw mango, but it goes very quickly from mango into salt, into sulfur, back into sweet, and then back to like very, very citric sourness. And then all of a sudden there's just a, there's a whole bunch of uh, curry powder in the center. So you just get this spice bomb. Do you have more to share? I do. I have one to share right now. I feel right like now. I'm an experienced. Would you like to have one of this experience like right now on the air? Let's do this. I feel like live is really the only way to experience all of those adjectives that you just shared. All right. So I'm pulling a piece of candy out of a kilogram jug that I pulled back from India. I'm preparing through the winds and the smoke. So there are two rules. Number one, buy the ticket, take the ride. If you put it in your mouth... I'm, I'm signing the form. Yeah, My seat if you put it in buckled. your mouth, you can't spit it out. I'm ripping this open with my teeth. And then number two, do not crunch it. You're going to have a bad time. Only No side. biting, no chewing. Yep. That's what he said. 
Can you tell us a bit about um, how you were introduced to the ladies and gentlemen hosting this evening? So I have known... Oh, wow. There's a lot happening in my face. Yeah. Do we want to hold some space for that? No, carry on. Carry on. I'll just interject as each flavor takes over. No, carry on. Uh, so I've known Ben Walmer and Mike Lee, actually, for the better part of a decade. I've been cooking in HDC since, oh God, I don't know, 2000 and maybe 10, 2009? I don't know, I just ended up in a weird place and, you know, had some knives and it was just, yeah, like, it was just like, this is like literally taking candy from strangers is just sort of how anyone ends up in HDC. And now, now welcome, welcome to the fold. So speaking with you a bit earlier, it sounds like you have danced in all parts of the restaurant, food and hospitality worlds. You've been in the kitchen, out of the kitchen, front of house, back of house. You've been a a mixologist, if that word does not end up with a punch in my face. You have been a barista, if that word is also still uh, in circuit. Share more. You you have I've done a lot of things. Yes, I have I have um, held a lot of stations. I have been like yeah, definitely a, a, a culinary and hospitality generalist, um, and spent the better part of a decade trying to figure out what I wanted to be when I grew up. You know, through the frame of, of restaurants and food service. What are you curious about right now? What flavor you're experiencing in your mouth in this moment? I am transitioning from mango into something. With a little more sodium involved. Yeah, there's a lot of sulfur. I feel like there's a salted mango happening yes, right now. Just a lot of, yep. So the salt, that's like the beginning of Act Two. And like it's about to get way, way fartier. Well, I love it. It's a pleasure to meet no, you. No, that's why this, this <laughs> next phase is why the don't spit it out rule exists. So I also am hoping that you will share. There were three things that you shared when we were doing an introduction earlier. One was um, take the candy, hop on the ride. Yes. And you had two other rules that you laid down for the evening. Can you share oh, with rituals. us yeah. what so, those rituals uh, so were? As an experienced designer, like a big part of my practice is ritual design and trying to map the right ritual to the group of people and trying to make sure that everyone in a group like this that doesn't necessarily know each other has the right amount of agency to you know include themselves and opt out you're speaking my language and so there's a tremendous amount of um we'll call it like like groups like this are tend tend to be prone to like forced intimacy where it's just like we're all grounded by the same passions and there's a tremendous amount of like social inertia that just really pulls us into like you know wanting to like the fomo is is what it's sort of like known as in the zeitgeist but it's just like we we don't want to miss the thing but if we feel like it's not necessarily going to be safe or comfortable, like we will put ourselves in a position to be traumatized. And so I think it's really important in social situations like this to sort of like create the safety dynamics where it's just like no one has a, a relationship that's too exclusive and no one is put into a situation that they can't get out of. So the two, so the three rituals that I brought was one was the game that I built around this piece of Indian candy, which is, you know, that's me having fun. That's the thing that I'm passionate about. And number two, and these are, these are rituals that I've pulled from other communities that I've been a member of, but the, you know, the, the really important one is if you're in a circle, if you're seated and talking with people, leave an open chair so that anyone feels welcome to join. And if you're sitting in a circle, leave a break to the circle so that people feel welcome to join. 
And so that makes every single conversation a non-exclusive conversation. I feel like that should be shared with every middle school and high school immediately. Take it on the road. Yeah, I mean, good luck. So this is like part of the practice is mapping it to the right community. And the middle school lunchroom is just like, that's going to feel more like a rule than a ritual, you know? <laughs> like, unfortunately, like, you know, middle school is hell and there's nothing that we, no design constraints that we can employ to make that any less of a reality. Just make it out alive. It's just sad. Yeah, make like, it it's alive. just like, get help. And what was the third one? So the third one was um, just the, the creating a safe word for the community. So it's like, I got to go. And so, like, it's just like knowing that, like, if someone stands up and says, I got to go, not like please don't ask questions and if you ever feel like you're in a situation where you don't necessarily feel like you want to be there anymore just stand up and say i gotta go and it's not personal it's a friendly and kind of communal easy out there's so much happening in my mouth right now that i am distracted to no end come come please say more right now so you've gone like through a hamster sulfur? with a salt lick. Yeah. Right now, I do. I feel like a. It's. It, it's a bit of a struggle. So you've got I, salt, I, and I'm you should have up. the citric phase mm. in now. Is there any curry yet? Mm, not yet. Well, well, buckle up. We're, we're heading in there though. <laughs> These are tears of joy. They really. <laughs> Look, I said. I think I might have mentioned that this is a culinary What's the word? experience. I have to go now. Is that? <laughs> is that it? <laughs> I have to go now. Have a wonderful rest of your evening. <laughs> Thank you. Also. I love this slow dancing. Aww. Guys, what do you want? Hello, hello. We want a lot. Hello. We have questions, we want answers. Okay, please ask. <laughs> Can you introduce yourself, please, for us? So, my name is Pierre. I come from France, from the south of France, from Provence. And uh, I import natural wines in the US. And how did you meet the founders of the Ironbound Ballers event? So, I came with uh, Damien Del Rio, which is a good friend of mine and a good friend of the people here. So, he knows what I like, nature. He knows that I like wine, foods, and all of that. So, he told me, like, look, there is this event going on, you should come. And I said, like, of course I'm going to come, like, sounds like amazing. And here I am. The wine, the drink is equally as important part of the conversation as the food, yes? Of course. Absolutely. Of course. I feel like it's the full circle. So, can you tell us a little bit about what you brought this evening? Okay. So, I brought some natural wines. Uh, wines without any additive, without any manipulation, just grapes fermented and that's it and this is very rare in the wine in in general you know like 99% of the wine you drink are modified they are contrived they are like you know and, that's and can you explain that a little bit because you were telling me the difference earlier about organic wines yes. versus natural wines yes so um, there is no organic wines organic it's just the farming practice it's the, the fact that you do not use any chemicals in the vineyards, but you can still like add some aromatic to your wine, some acidity, and change the taste of the wine. So organic really just applies to the growth of the grapes. Exactly, just the farming. And then natural wines, it's organic farming, so farming without any chemicals again, 
And in the winery, when they make the wine, there is nothing added to the wines. The idea is to keep the purity of the grapes. So, like, just something that tastes the place it's coming from. I just think that the more you add, the more you manipulate, the less pure it is, right? Agreed. Absolutely agreed. So... That's what we do. So what do you feel? I feel like there's a lot of education still in wine. Maybe that's just coming from an American with lots to learn about wine from mm-hmm. France. But what are you um, most curious about wine right now? And, and um, what do you think? Yeah. What are you most curious about right now? What I'm curious about right now, it's uh, wines from the U.S., Mm, tell me why. So I was in California last week and there were this like really interesting natural wine tasting happening in San Francisco. Wine called SF. That's the name of the wine fair. And I just like tasted so many like young people that just started to make wines. It was like maybe the second vintage or the third vintage, like really new in the wine industry. And just like so good like I was really impressed by the level of natural American wines because most of the time you talk about natural wines it's from France from Spain from Italy like the old world you know but in America there is like a huge huge wave of natural wine people starting to make wine that's exciting it's you have to pay attention very cool pay attention very cool it's happening really right on well thanks so much thank you thanks Yay? All right, we'll come back. Yeah. We're just getting warmed up. Get warmed up. <laughs> All right, ready? I've got the pig man, free of pig. Can you please introduce yourself to us, sir? Yes. Uh, my name's Alex Giuseppe. I'm the farm manager here at Iron Man Farm. Uh, also, food pirate, cooking events. Um, yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about what you were working on a few minutes ago? Actually, a few hours ago, for the last yes. few hours, actually. So we had a 90-pound suckling pig that I deboned the entire pig and left the head on. And then we were rolled it up like a porchetta, but filled it with what you would normally put in a beef wellington, which is mustard, sautéed greens, sautéed mushrooms. Um, so we sautéed a bunch of mushrooms after putting them on the coals in the fire that were forged in the woods and then we sauteed a bunch of kale and swiss chard from the farm and uh yeah some lime juice olive oil salt now we wait (laughs) i love it and what's the cooking process uh so we have it on a spit over a giant pit right now um and it will sit there for probably about five hours and periodically we're going to baste it with an herb sachet uh with butter and cider i love it this is if if only we were vlogging and not podcasting right now because this fire pit and this pig this is this is a beautiful sight right here yeah (laughs) i love it and what is um What's the most exciting bits about working here at Ironbound? I know there's a lot. We've got lots of personalities and so many things seasonally and so many changes and lots of growth the past couple of years. What are you excited about right now? Uh, For me, it's just having access to this whole wood cooking arena. We call it the Chef's Terrace. So um, if you notice around the whole area where where the fires are, we have an entire terrace filled with culinary herbs and berries and just kind of a, a juxtaposition of all the different things that are being grown on the farm. 
Um, so for me, getting to grow all the food and then come to the center of the farm and have this entire arena that we can cook everything that we're growing on site and caring for is super rewarding. You get to see the entire process from start to finish. And I'm not here every day, but just over the past few hours, seeing everybody walk up this gravel drive, people attending this baller's event and guests coming for apple cider tastings, ironbound tastings inside, their expressions of excitement, curiosity, and just the eyes popping out of their heads. I mean, do you, I feel like the reaction to, to what you all have built and continue to build is pretty amazing. Oh yeah, it's, it's amazing. And I mean, there's, I mean, as far as... I know there's not anywhere else, especially in New Jersey or the Tri-State area that has some sort of space like this where people can come together and break bread together, converse around a fire and be outside and actually engage with the land. It's a really empowering thing that emits a lot of energy that people pick up on as soon as they get out of their cars here. It's super primal with really killer music. I'm down. I'm down. I'm down. I can do this. Thanks so much. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Enjoy. Yes. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. Can you introduce yourself, please? Hi. My name's Lucy. Hi, Lucy. Hi. I met Lucy earlier. I love Lucy. Hi. Maybe it should be a show. I love Lucy. I think you're onto something there. I'm on. Yeah. I'm on. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about how you ended up here at the Ironbound Ballers event, lady? Yeah. Well, it started in the 90s. <laughs> Um, I went to college with my friend Harry, who started the Brooklyn Kitchen, and he and I are both kind of DIY people. Um, He's kind of made that into his career. Uh, I do different stuff, but I'm still like an experimenter and a cooker and a maker, uh, and he invited me. So what are you most excited to taste or sample or experience this evening? I was actually... um, I'm curious to try razor clams because I've grown up hating them and I think uh, my dad hates them and he said that they uh, my dad never cusses and he was like they taste like dick Um, (laughs) and so I just grew up with that in my mind and I always think they're disgusting and I am very excited because everything I've had so far today has been delicious so I want to try those in a different environment this is solid culinary peer pressure yeah right well I already had some of the other not razor clam but the regular their clam ceviche and it's delicious and not at all of what I would expect a clam to taste like. So palates are changing. Yeah. Palates are changing. This yeah. is good. Look yeah. at us growing up. So I'm excited to give that a try. Yeah. Right on. <laughs> right on. Right on. It's a pleasure to meet you. Thank you. We'll Thanks be back. You. I'll see you guys. Hey, can we? Can you? Can you chat and chop at the sure. same time? Sure. Um, can you introduce yourself, please, sure. sir? Uh, my name is Ethan Frisch. I'm the co-founder of a single-origin spice company called Burlap and Barrel. Right on, right on. And can you tell us what you are up to right now? Bones are cracking. So I'm uh, taking apart a goose that was slaughtered this morning and has been smoking next to the fire for the last several hours and. And uh, now we're just breaking it down and we're going to finish it as a confit in, in fat. I'm speechless. I'm speechless. I'm thrilled and speechless. I love it. So how did you, um, uh, how were you introduced to the individuals behind the Ironbound Baller event? So I uh, 
have a spice company and we supply a lot of restaurants and do quite a bit of work in the food scene in New York City and I know Mike and Danielle through that and have been a part of Food and Tech Connect for many years and um, yeah it's really exciting to be here with all these other crazy food people right on this is sensory overload again if if only we had cameras to to capture everything that we are seeing smelling and feeling right now what are you most um, uh, curious or excited about um, this evening and or in the kind of food industry because we're surrounded by a lot of big thinkers and doers right now yeah I mean this evening just eating all this amazing food that has been grown and prepared here or very close to here or by people who are here Um, and in the food industry overall I think uh, I think we've gotten stuck in this functional food situation where everything has to have a reason nothing is about flavor or pleasure or uh, or just the the sheer enjoyment of the meal and all of the people and ingredients that went into it and that's what I I appreciate about this event is that it's sort of bringing that back in enjoyment and pleasure yeah yeah just cooking art for art's sake yeah purely for the fun of it I love it I buy that nice to meet you likewise thanks can you chat and do pizza dough at the same time? Before, but I'll try. This is perfect. Please introduce yourself. Uh, my name is Joe Levine. Um, I uh, I know um, some of the folks here, but I'm not directly in the food business anymore. But he is um, directly handling some some very uh, enticing pizza dough right yeah, now. Yeah, I picked up this pizza dough from Best Pizza on, on uh, in Williamsburg, and I think Havermeyer. Which is a few blocks from my house. Right on. And it's, uh, I guess it's Best Pizza. The name speaks for itself. And you can go in there and you can just buy dough. It's a lot easier than actually making your own dough. And it's already good. And it's not too expensive. So uh, I got a pizza stone for my wedding. It was, it was one of the one gifts that I, that I got to pick on the... Uh, on the on the registry, it was a it was a piece of steel. I researched it. I said, I said not stone. It's got to be the steel because that's how you get like the really good crust. And I get like the that's thick, a good trick. Like, I like it. Yeah, like the restaurant thickness steel. It holds the heat a lot a lot better. And then I started like making pizzas. And every time it gets a little bit easier. But I ain't no I ain't no pizzaola yet. But I'm a little bit Italian, like a quarter Italian. So my pizza's like <laughs> a quarter good. Um, and what is the plan for this particular pie tonight? So I've been making, well, it looks like they got some tomatoes that they had from the farm that canned up. So I'm going to try some tomatoes on it. But I've been making white pizzas with some ricotta, some mozzarella, um, some talagio cheese, a little bit of uh, shea parmesan, uh, a little bit of garlic. And then there's some beautiful mon- uh, chanterelles that they had up here. I've been cutting those up and throwing them on. I love and, Hopefully uh, from the Forage Feast, I'm guessing, I mean, the, right? The great thing about, yeah, the great thing with like pizza is you can just throw whatever you want on it. So, you know, you could you could just also make just bread. <laughs> you throw I that on it. the throw that on the grill. It's uh, yeah, you know. I was like I was like I ain't going to compete with all this uh, this meat here. So let me throw something, try to have a little fun and you know, little apps going out there beforehand. So yeah. what are you most excited to taste this evening? Um, you know, it's it's funny. I'm I'm like a I'm I'm like a ninety eight percent of the year vegetarian. <laughs> But I do eat meat. Yeah, uh, I've been like that way for about nine years now. So I'm, I'm excited to try. I'm excited to try the, the the pork, the pig. That thing looks delicious. The pochetta. Um, and there's some there's some like amazing fish around here. I saw a giant snapper. I love fish. Smoked, um, grilled. 
in every every way, shape, and form. Yeah, I mean, it looks like there's something going on in the walk over there. They're seasoning it. You, you know, it's a, tis the season to season your walk, right? So I'm um, pretty excited about everything that's going on. Right I don't on. Know. I'm excited to be surprised, really. Yeah, it's, pretty, uh, it's a pretty special night. Very cool. Well, yeah, thanks. for sure. Nice to meet you. Hey, thanks for the interview. Ready? Hello. Hi, how Can are you Can you introduce yourself, please? Yeah, sure. I'm Mark Oshima. I'm one of the co-founders for Aero Farms. We are one of the leading indoor vertical farming companies with global headquarters in Newark, New Jersey. And excited to be here to be able to share what we're doing, seeing what's happening in the broader New Jersey Garden State community. I have actually met you uh, about a year or so ago and walked through part of your facilities. Um, you all are incredible. The expansion and what you have brought to Newark is uh, Jersey City, right? Uh, it's actually Newark. Newark. That's right. Um, can you share a little bit about what AeroFarms is all about? Yeah. So when we talk about indoor farming, we are converting warehouse spaces. And so we think about Newark and we think about abandoned manufacturing space. We're breathing new life into these buildings, repurposing them. Uh, we have four farms alone. And we have our headquarters as well. And today we're a team of over 160 people uh, creating jobs. 40% of our team lives in Newark, is from Newark. Over 85% live within 15 miles. And so this is really thinking differently. These are farms, you know, by the community, for the community. Uh, we're addressing food deserts, uh, increasing access to healthier food. We're also creating, you know, year-round employment. And so it's one of the big reasons why we are excited to be working closely with the city of Newark. Uh, we have incredible support. Had been Mayor Booker at the time, now Senator Booker, now Mayor Baraka as well. Uh, working closely also with the city, uh, but also the state. And it's really thinking differently about where we can put our farms and thinking about differently about how we can have a more secure food system. I've had conversations with um, Mike Lee and, and Ben Walmer in the past about the future of farming. Can you share a little bit about even just the, the water use that you all use for the indoor farms? I think just thinking about um, scarcity and, and the cycle of the environment. Can you share a little bit about some of the kind of science behind Aero Farms? We think about these macro tensions and pressure. Uh, one of the biggest issues is around uh, fresh water. 70% of fresh water goes to agriculture. 70% of the pollution is coming from agriculture due to the overuse of pesticides and fertilizers. Uh, at Aero Farms, with our patented aeroponic system, we are delivering water and nutrients, misting the roots in a very targeted way. It allows us to use up to 95% less water than the field farmer and 40% less than even hydroponics. And it's creating a really healthy system and environment and biome for the roots. Roots need oxygen, so it's creating a really beautiful growing environment. Uh, but it's also allowing us to grow without any kind of pesticides. And so our controlled growing, we think differently about from seed to package, the transparency. Uh, it's headline news constantly about different food recalls and food safety. And so we're helping mitigate those issues and concerns by growing indoors in a controlled environment. But what's most exciting is not only is there this incredible company story, we're a certified B Corporation, we're mission driven, uh, the technology is transformative, but the fundamental is people are really excited about the product. And that's really, when we think about how do you want to change behavior, you make it taste good. And people are really excited by the flavors, the varieties, and seeing that impact. One of the working farms we have 
in an inner city school in Newark is at Phillips Academy Charter School. It's actually right in their dining hall. It's operated by the students. It's a kindergarten through sixth, uh, kindergarten through eighth grade program, and the sixth graders run it. And the best part about it is that they eat what they're growing because they have an incredible connection with the food. And so it's exciting to see the impact that Aero Farms can have on so many different areas. And then for me, uh, my passion has been really rooted in, uh, I worked for a number of years on the marketing advisory board for the Food Bank for New York City uh, around these issues around access to food and how do we increase that. And then I'm on the board of Chefs Collaborative, a nonprofit for the last 26 years that has been really pioneering and even championing you know, how to have a more sustainable food system. And so incredible group of people community thinking about how to make a difference and so this is exciting to be able to think about how collectively we can all come together and how to have an impact across uh, not only our culture but business as well and that's an incredible ongoing impact that you're going to have on so many different levels and i can attest that the flavor of the greens that you all grow is out of this world they are so sweet and super tender and we've been very fortunate to host them in a, in a few of our good folks supper clubs so yes. i love absolutely love what you all grow can you share where guests can find um the tasty tasty greens you're growing yeah so uh What's exciting about what we're doing, it's under our retail brand called Dream Greens, and it can be found not only at Whole Foods, but also ShopRite. Uh, so it's really widely available, as well as major you know, restaurants. Uh, and what we're most excited about, we just launched a brand new line of microgreens at retail, and really thinking differently about how we can bring this incredibly nutritious, delicious, um, and make it center of the plate, and really think differently about how we can have access to this. And so this has really uh, been exciting to be able to bring this out to the, to the people. Historically, microgreens have been really kind of treated as a precious sort of garnish or finishing element, but here we want people to enjoy it and be able to really be able to think differently about how they can uh, increase their access to healthier food and tastier food. Make it less an accessory and more of a main feature. Absolutely. Main feature and center of the plate is really that goal. I love it. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Good Folk Podcast. Be sure to subscribe at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play, and be sure to follow us on social media at Good Folks Supper Club. And don't forget to check out our website at goodfolkssupperclub.com for information about upcoming dinner events.